your host for the Merry Writer podcast. Rachel is unable to be with us today, but she will be back next week. But I won't be alone as this week I have a guest joining me for today's question. So we are on episode 54 and this week's question is, how many rounds of edits do you typically do? Before we begin, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening so you never miss a show. And if you enjoy this episode, please do give it a like. Now, please help me welcome author Kim Golden to the show. Kim, thanks for joining us. It's great to have you on the podcast. Well, thanks for in- inviting me. I'm really looking forward to this. <laughs> is this is this your first podcast? No, this I think this is the third one. Oh. I've been on, and I, I did a, a YouTube interview on Saturday with a, a Swedish uh, YouTuber. So that was fun. Ah, so you're technically an expert at it now. Oh, so yeah. We oh, should yeah. have no problems at all. <laughs> um, let's start with you telling us a bit about your writing background. What genre do you write and how many books have you written? Okay, well, I, mean, I write uh, women's fiction uh, with romantic elements. Uh, I think that's what they usually call it now. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, I started off writing um, when I was a kid. I, I always wanted to write. And uh, I used to just write like short stories and stuff for my grandparents because they lived in Virginia. And uh, so I only got to see them sometimes once or twice a year. Mm-hmm. So I would just try to entertain them with stories. And then I knew like uh, that this was what I wanted to do even though my parents were trying to make me become an accountant or a lawyer. Uh, but yeah, the, I, I was, I've always loved writing and I've been doing it since uh, high school. Uh, but I really became serious about it while I was in college. And uh, so since then, uh, I've written five, six, five novels and the sixth one is on the way. Uh, three novellas and uh, I've, I've self-published a few short stories, but then I also had some that were published in these small literary journals. Uh, while I was working on my master's degree. So I've been doing it for a while and it's just something I really love. Wow, that's really impressive that you've been doing that whilst when you were also doing a master's degree, which is pretty intense in itself. Yeah, (laughs) it was. It was three years of lots of studying and writing lots of term papers and everything and still having to do, because I studied creative writing uh, for my master's degree. So I had to do a lot of research, but I still had to write a creative thesis as well. And, uh, and then try to find time to, to do my own writing. So, uh, which was not always easy, but since you're in a community of writers, it makes it a little bit more fun. So there were a lot of uh, sessions of after our evening seminars going to the pub and having a beer and everybody talking, writing and helping each other with character development and everything. I mean, you can tell this was like totally word nerds, total writing nerds hanging out together at a sports <laughs> bar, not caring about the sports on, on, the, uh, on the screen and just you know ordering as many cheap pictures of beer as we could and talking about writing. So that, that was our way of like kind of following uh, Hemingway's advice to write drunk and edit sober. I like that. I think that, that definitely helps if you have like a, a community, especially ones that you can like sit face to face to. Um, yeah. And uh, it really and makes about. a difference. It really does. I think it's one of the things I kind of miss right now. I, I have a, a group that I'm with uh, online and, uh, and we try to do uh, Zoom sessions, but it's a little bit dif- difficult because they're in a different time zone. 
So there's two of us who are in the Central European time zone, and then the rest are either in uh, on Easter Standard Time or they're on Pacific Time. So it's like makes it not so easy, but we try. We try every now and then we can make it work, but uh, I think it would be. I'll be looking forward to the post-COVID world when we can actually meet face to face because we used to do that at least once a year, and we haven't had a chance to do that since 2019. Oh, yeah, that's it. It's it isn't even just it, it on Zoom. If you even if you've got the same time zones, it is always that little bit more awkward. All it takes is the internet connection to go or something to lag, and you just kind of lose the flow with it. So yeah, no, or like with one of my friends, her cat loves to walk across the keyboard and has occasionally disconnected her. So yeah, <laughs> there's that problem. <laughs> That is, that is why mine are locked out of here because they would definitely be chewing wires and pulling things and you know, attacking the mic definitely although sometimes on the podcast you will hear this little meh from outside the door like going through the microphone because they really like to be quite vocal oh they're just like pay attention please <laughs> Okay, so let's dive into this week's topic, which is obviously editing drafts. And I think obviously with your background of all these books that you've published, perfect for you. So when do you begin the editing process after completing the first draft? Do you take a break or jump right in or what's your what's your system? Oh, God, I, I always need a break because um, especially if I if it's a draft I've written for NaNoWriMo, uh, then I need a break after that really intense month of trying to get at least 50 or 60,000 words written. Uh, so what I usually do the last day of NaNoWriMo is once I have crossed the finish line, I print out my draft and I set it aside and I don't touch it, don't look at it because I know if I start reading it, I'll get pulled right back into it. Uh, and I know that I need to have that, that distance from it before I actually start doing it. So I, I take that, that uh, break and then um, usually sometime in January, if, if it's a draft I finished in November, I take the whole month of December off and I don't do anything. I don't even do anything writing related. I just read and enjoy like you know, reading books that I've missed out on in November and drinking a glass of wine and, and feeling like, you know, oh yeah, this is the good life. And then in January, I can jump back into it. So yeah, it's, it, I think you need that break because I think if you're still, if you're still in uh, first draft mode and then you try to jump into editing, I think too often you just end up writing more and more and more even if the story doesn't need it. Mm, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, sometimes that's good because maybe your story goes in a completely different direction. But I, I find that if I already know what I want my story you know, I, 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 sh I should already know what it should be about because it's like I've written my outline and everything beforehand and I, I know what story I want to tell. But uh, I don't necessarily want to have a book that just becomes like this brick. It shouldn't be like 900 pages of navel gazing or anything. It should be <laughs> a focused story. So uh, I, mean, I definitely need to have that, that break and then I can go into it. Yeah. Do you participate in NaNoWriMo every year? Oh yeah, I've been doing it since, uh, when was the first time I did it? I think it was 2007 was the wow. first year I did it. 
And I haven't always succeeded in completing NaNoWriMo every year because sometimes work gets in the way or there was one year when I ended up getting the flu halfway through NaNoWriMo and I, you know, the fevers were too high and my fingers hurt when I tried to type. So it was just like, I just decided to vegetate on the sofa and sleep and watch Netflix throughout the, you know, that whole flu season. So, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's my way of making sure I get at least one first draft done per year. Nice. And I, I actually do love the concept of taking the whole of December off. I think December's are good for reading, especially if you get, you treat yourselves to books before Christmas or you get books yeah. for Christmas. It's one of those, um, one of those great months where it's usually cold outside, depending yeah. on where you live in the world. And kind of cuddling up with a good book and, and yeah. you know whatever drink you want is that sounds I think the idea of taking off full December from everything I might try that this year I usually do a little bit more reading than normal and 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 kind of get caught up with with trying to do a bit of writing not as much but I think maybe just yeah like sack it off completely and say right December is a rest month yeah and I think you need to do it because it's um we have so many demands on us all the time. And if we're writing, we have the demands that we put upon ourselves as well. So then you need to have a break where you just feel like I don't need to do anything other than what I feel like doing. So if I feel like editing, if I start feeling like, yeah, actually I feel ready to edit, then I go ahead and allow myself to do it. But the majority of the time I'm like, no, December is when I'm going to catch up on the books that I've really wanted to read or I'm like one of my guilty pleasures is I really love reading like uh, holiday uh, Regency romances and things <laughs> like that. So I just let myself like give in to that pleasure of like reading about like these Christmas house parties in, you know, somewhere in the countryside and, and people falling in love. And, and I just love that, you know, and, and my husband laughs at me about it, but it's my favorite thing to do during Christmas. It gets me into the you know, the Christmas mood. So it's, uh, I just give in to that. And I think that's okay. And then come January, then I feel like I'm feeling ready to be practical. Now I can jump into editing. Exactly. I think January, especially, it has that new year, new start, you know, hit the ground running feel. December doesn't have that. No, December's all about drinking. Like in, in Sweden, we have um, this uh, drink, it's it's almost the same as mulled wine. That's called glug. And so I drink glug uh, or uh, we have like, you can get like red wine glug or white wine glug and they have one that's made from apple cider. So I drink those and I eat fancy cheese and eat lots of chocolate and, you know, just completely, you know, feel decadent. And, uh, and then January comes and I'm like, yes, okay. No more glug, time to, to edit. That's how it usually works. Nice, I love that, the idea that's a drink called glug. It just, it's just <laughs> perfect. I mean, we use that word for when you're like actually drinking and it's like you're glugging it down. It's like the exactly. idea that there's a, there's a drink out there called that, it's just awesome. Yeah, it's called glug. <laughs> and it tastes quite good. <laughs> Okay, so um, how do you go about editing your books? Does it differ for each book or do you have a really set routine that you follow for editing? Um, 
I, I would say I have a pretty set routine for it. Um, generally what I do is, like I said, like when, when NaNoWriMo ends, I print out the whole manuscript and then I just sit down and read through the whole manuscript. The first time I read it, I don't jot any notes down or anything. Then I read it again. The second time I start jotting down notes of where I see inconsistencies in the story. Or if I feel like, okay, here's a plot hole or here's where uh, I need more character development or, oh, maybe I need another scene here. And I'll just start making notes to myself of like what I need to remember to add to it. Um, and then I have like, uh, I have my colored, uh, different colored post-it notes that I stick everywhere. And um, that's like just, you know, and I have a system. So it's like the, the pink ones are for, uh, if I need to add more uh, setting description and the yellow ones are for characterization and the orange ones are for plot points and, uh, and that sort of thing. So, um, I just try to make sure that I, I make those notes. I have a, a notebook where I write down excerpts so that uh, that way I'm not always in front of my computer. Like I can just take my notebook and sit in a cafe, right? Uh, and uh, it's just uh, the way that I usually go about it. And then I start actually adding everything into the document once I start feeling like, okay, I've made a certain amount of progress. And once I've added, all the bits and bobs that need to, that I think need to be there, then I read it again. Uh, and if I still feel like there's something missing, then I go through and I add even more. And then I guess by the third time I read it, that's when I start going through it and looking for, you know, all those filler words that we all end up using. Like I know that I used so and just, and I used too many ellipses because I love ellipses. Yes. Uh, and uh, I, I go through and I try to edit those out before I send it then to the freelance editor and the beta readers that I work with. Um, and then once they've had their say, then I read through their comments and try and make decide which things I'm actually going to change and which things I think, yeah, okay, that's not so important or that's actually supposed to be that way. So uh, then, I guess by the fourth read through or the fifth read through, then I start feeling like I'm done. And I might send it back. Usually I send it back to my freelance editor and we'll have like two or three rounds together uh, before the beta or assume the proofreader that she works with then goes through it. And that hopefully we've caught everything though. Like the last book um, that's coming out in a couple of weeks, we still found like a couple of things that got past all of us, got past the beta readers, <laughs> got past my editor got past a proofreader and then it was one of my arc readers who found it and sent me screenshots like here are three typos that came through like thank you <laughs> fixed them re-uploaded the file again <laughs> so, yeah but it's a you know it's 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 a process that that really works for me um before I didn't really have a, any sort of process I just kind of jumped into it and didn't think about what I was doing. But now when I actually think through it, like the first time, just read it for the story's sake. Does it work for me? Second time, actually start looking for the things that need to be fixed. And then finally uh, going through and looking for 
the uh, the filler words or the adverbs and everything that we know we shouldn't be using but we still end up using anyway trying to go through and get you know getting rid of those things and then once i do that uh i think usually by the fourth time or the fifth time i've read it i start feeling like now i'm done and you just get that feeling you know it's a I know sometimes people ask like, well, how do you know when it's, when your story is done? And I think it, your story tells you. It's a, it's a weird, it's a weird thing to say. And, and I, I like to joke around that we writers are a little bit crazy, uh, but you really do know, I think, when to stop writing. And it's the same thing, like whether, when people ask like, oh, are you gonna make this into a series or is this gonna be a standalone? You know when the characters stop talking to you, that story is done. You don't need to, and I don't care if readers come to me and say, oh, I wanna know what their wedding was like, or oh, I wanna know if they had a baby. I don't wanna know if they had a baby. They don't wanna tell me that they had a baby. So I'm not gonna tell that story. I'm moving on to another story. <laughs> so, uh, and yeah, so that, that's how I usually do it. You know, it's um, just listening to the story and, and getting that feeling where, you know, they talk about like the roundness, like a wine has a roundness to it that feels nice. I, I think you get that same feeling with a story. And when you get that roundness and that fullness to it, then you know, okay, it's done. I don't need to touch it because if I touch one more thing, then the balance is off. And then I just leave it alone. Yeah, I, I have to, I usually find, I can tell when I've got to a point where it's like, I need to let it go and just, you know whether it do anything with it usually it just sits in the corner but mm -hmm. it's when I'm editing it and I'll go oh and I'll add a line and then two lines below the exact same line almost word for word is already in and it's like oh take that out and I'll do that four times it's like okay I definitely need to that's it I don't need to keep editing it now it's I'm just literally adding the same thing just in a slightly different place yeah <laughs> And that, and that's like, I've done that before too. And it's like, and I realize like, okay, I'm wasting my time now. Stop this. Or like when, you know, you, you start putting things in that are kind of like inside jokes that nobody else is going to understand. And it's, and then you, I realize like, why am I doing this? Nobody else is going to get this except for maybe that one friend of mine that I know is going to read that particular book. And even they might forget about that inside joke. So why am I putting it in there? And so, you know, then I kind of slap my hand like, stop, Kim, step away from the desk, no more. <laughs> I, I love what you said when you, when you first do it, you print it out because I am a big proponent of the paper copy because I think yeah. you stir it on a screen for so long, you miss things. It's always nice to, to change mediums. And I do like the paper copy. Now I have in the past tried to do that first read through where it's just a read through. And I've, I just, I have never been able to so far get all the way through without reaching for the red pen. Hmm. And like, it usually starts with, oh, I spelled that wrong or, oh, there's an extra space. And that next minute, I, I'll probably get like four or five chapters in being like, I'm gonna read it. And then from chapter like five onwards is just red pen. Starts small and then further on, by the last page is like lots of pen. And then I've got to go through it again anyway, because I've started making notes. And I've heard a few people say it's so useful to do the, the, the full read through first, no edits, no messing, just read it as a reader and see how you feel. And I just can't do it yet. 
I really it's, need it's to really, try. But it's, it, I know it's really hard to do it, but I, I do find that if I just read it and I don't have any pens near me or anything, then I can actually imagine how is my reader going to experience this story? And do I like what I've written? And so, for example, now I have um, a work in progress that I started for NaNoWriMo last year. Uh, and I'm, I'm about like, I think it, my plan is that that book should probably end up being about like 85,000, 90,000 words. And I'm at about like 70,000 with it. And I can see that the, the middle part of the book is sagging and I need to sort that out. And, uh, and I remember when I did the first read through of it, I felt like, yeah, something's missing here. And I'm not quite sure what's missing, but I'm not gonna think about that right now. I'm just gonna read the story. And when I got to the end of it, I felt like, yeah, okay, I like this, but yeah, the story doesn't end the right way. It needs to be longer. And there's some things here that, um, yeah, that don't really make sense. So then I started the second read through and that's when I started actually adding things um, and trying to figure out then how to fix those plot holes. So I'm still sort of stuck right now. This is probably the longest second read through that I've done, but it's mostly because I see that uh, the story, it, it has some issues with it that are mostly due to uh, the, the fact that part of the story takes place now with the pandemic going on and this couple who are falling in love during the pandemic yeah. and trying to sort out the things like, okay, if somebody's reading a love story that is set during this time period, would they actually believe that this couple would behave this way? Uh, or, or would they expect them to do other things? And I'm just really trying to make sure that, you know, of course that some things are, are realistic, but that not everything needs to be so grounded in, in reality. And I think that's what's taking so long. And I've been talking to friends of mine who are medical professionals, just because I want to make sure that I'm not putting something, even if it's a novel, I still don't want to say something in the book that is not true. Yeah. So, uh, and, and then I start overthinking it because that's what you do as a Capricorn. And, uh, <laughs> but it, I still, it's a, I really like this couple I'm writing about there. Um, they're both outsiders to Sweden and they both uh, lost their partners, not to the pandemic, but to something, to a, a terrorist incident that I made up for the story. And, uh, and so now the two of them, the only reason they're in Sweden is because they had kids with Swedes. And they're in this, now they're trying to figure out like, how do you raise kids as a single parent when you don't really have a connection with this country other than the kids' grandparents? Yeah. And you don't want to take them away from them. And now you're trying to move on with your life. And oh, by the way, now you get hit with the global pandemic. So. That's good though, because there's lots of different elements that obviously like are going on at the same time. Mm. That's, I, I, I do love that because I, I have um, sagging middle syndrome in almost all of my stories because <laughs> um, mine are very character driven and I always find in that middle there's always that kind of like okay they've done this 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 oh right what's happening here and uh, I always feel like I don't have enough external conflict or situations to help push things ahead yeah. And I do need to try harder with that. 
No, but I, I know exactly what you mean. It's like uh, one thing that I started laughing about with this book was that, um, you know, here in Sweden, people spend a lot of time drinking coffee. It is just like in those, you know, Valender novels, but not with so much murder. Um, <laughs> but we take lots of coffee breaks. We, you know, it, it's even in the law that we have to have a certain number of coffee breaks during the day. And, uh, and we, you, you spend a lot of time in the morning drinking coffee, after lunch you're drinking coffee, in the afternoon you're drinking coffee. And I realized I had three chapters where all my characters had done was meet other people for coffee and talk. And I just realized like, shit, people don't want to hear about or read about people just drinking coffee all the time. And it doesn't matter like, you know, that, oh, there's that sexual tension that's going on over that cup of coffee. It's like, they're going to start realizing that these people have probably had like 10 cups of coffee in one day. And then maybe I need to cut back on the coffee, the cafe scenes. I'll, I'll fix that. So that's been one of the things I've been doing, trying to take away some of the, the coffee scenes because it's just too much. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, well, and, and, and also feeling like there's not enough happening. Like there needs, and you know, there's always like this talk about like uh, that you need to have like a certain number of like black moments that happen in a book where like these awful things. And, and I kind of felt like, I think enough awful things have happened to this couple. <laughs> you don't need to have so many very awful things happening. So, but I, I do know like, I need to like sort of like up the stakes a little bit. So that's what I'm trying to do right now is like figure out like the right points to up the stakes and, uh, and to get those right beats in the story. I'm surprised because obviously with the whole, you've got the pandemic, you've had the, the terrorist attack, you've had the loss of, of life, the disconnect with the country, obviously being a single parent, finding love, that's that's a lot. I, if, if you need more, then I am definitely needing more in my stories because <laughs> I haven't I haven't got enough. And, and just what you said about the drinking coffee, I, I was aware when I was reading through um, the I was really naughty. I hadn't finished the first draft and I went back and read through my story again and I'm not supposed to do that, but I did anyway. And I realised that one of my characters spent most of his time just drinking wine with his friend. And it was just like, <laughs> every time it went to them where they're having a conversation about what was going on, they were reaching for the bottle and reaching for the wine glasses. <laughs> just sounds like a drunk. And I hadn't realised because, again, because I write in scenes, not chapters, I'd written all these random scenes. So when I'd written them, I'd written them so far apart, I was unaware or I forgot that this scene over here, he was drinking and this scene over here. And I was looking like, wow, it just looks like a lush. I need to change that. <laughs> you just, it's little things like that. Or like you said, like over in Sweden, it is quite common to have coffee breaks. So it's almost normal to have that. Whereas obviously somebody might be reading the book and go, wow, they're drinking a lot of coffee. How do they sleep at night? By the way, how and do I, you I had people comment on that, you know, like there, there was somebody who said to me, like, your characters drink a lot of coffee. And I said, yeah, that's what we do here. And and she was like, but isn't that bad for you? I don't know. It's good for the soul. <laughs> and I mean, I, I drink a lot of coffee. I mean, ever since I moved here to Sweden, I think I drink like five or six cups of coffee a day. Wow. And I, I can still sleep at night. And if I don't have my coffee, I can't sleep. So I even <laughs> drink a cup of coffee at night before I go to bed. So, really? Uh, oh, yeah. wow. 
that that seems really <laughs> I mean, it's like I, I I don't drink coffee but my partner does and he drinks like the really um really strong you know burn your face off level of of, of strong coffee <laughs> and it gets to like three in the afternoon he's like can I have a coffee and I'm like no no because you're not gonna sleep and then you're gonna keep me awake so no no more coffee for you that's it so, <laughs> I think if you brought one up to bed it'd be like no that's going out the window <laughs> and see for me it's like if I don't have my coffee at night I'm just like hmm how am I gonna sleep tonight you know and and uh, I've tried it before where I skip coffee and I don't sleep well at night without it so it, no. it's something about that combination of like the warm liquid and everything and it feels so nice and cozy so yeah. then I can sleep. <laughs> it's just become part of the tradition now it's like your, your body's too used to it. it's like where's the coffee oh my god like, like my body would go into complete revolt if I didn't give it coffee <laughs> <laughs> Tell you one of these days we're going to get a tea drinker on this show everybody seems to be a coffee drinker except me like, yeah. <laughs> I, I start like... my mornings though with tea ah see that's good that's i good. have a cup of tea uh in the morning with my breakfast and uh and then the rest of the day then it's coffee but uh, i start off with tea and i like having tea in the morning it's a uh, i find it quite it's a nice way to kind of ease my way into the the rest of the day yeah i think i agree but then also, I mean, there are certain things that taste better with tea than coffee. So like, I really like to, you know, I have a sweet tooth and like, if I'm going to have shortbreads, for example, they don't taste good with coffee. They taste better with tea. Yeah, definitely. And if I have lemon meringue pie, that doesn't taste good with coffee. That tastes good with tea. <laughs> so there are certain things that I know, like if I'm going to have those, then I have tea. But otherwise it's coffee. Does that mean you're having lemon meringue pie for breakfast? No, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Usually my breakfast is this rather boring bowl of like uh, vanilla yogurt with uh, muesli or granola and some blueberries or something. Or I make like a sandwich with ham and, and cheese and marmalade and then I have tea. But that, that makes me sound like Paddington Bear actually with like my marmalade sandwich. But yeah. I do like a good marmalade sandwich. <laughs> I love how we've, we've completely um, segued into a completely different subject. But just oh, looking. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think we've uh, we've covered quite a lot with the, the different editing methods that you use. It is definitely mm -hmm. going to make me think differently about how I edit. Yeah. I am definitely going to try that reading through once without actually reaching for a pen going to try that it's been lovely having you on the show um i really hope you've enjoyed yourself and we would love it if you could share a little bit about yourself with our listeners yeah well uh, i'm originally from philadelphia pennsylvania and i moved to sweden back in 1995 for love met this really gorgeous tall swedish boy they're very good at luring you over and it worked uh, I and so since then, uh, you know, I've been living and working here. I, when I'm not writing fiction, I write copy for that world famous Swedish brand IKEA. So uh, if you ever in the IKEA store and you see some fun copy, it's probably <laughs> something that I've written. Uh, I write romantic fiction with black women in focus, and I like following. Uh, 
their stories as they're trying to discover the true passions. And I usually write about um, interracial relationships because I like examining how people deal with the cultural differences and so on. And most of my stories are set in Scandinavia and they usually deal with like how people deal with love and translation. Uh, my next release is called Near Enough to Hold and it comes out on April 16th. And it's actually the first book I've written in a long time that's not set in Scandinavia. It's actually set in the town where I worked on my master's degree, Richmond, Virginia. Uh, so it was fun to write a story that's not connected at all to Scandinavia. Um, and that book is available for pre-order now and half the proceeds of its sales are gonna be donated to West Park Cultural Center in Philadelphia, which is a community center that uses arts and culture to help uh, children and youth tap into their creativity. And it's also helping to build community access uh, and help adults as well to sort of understand uh, their true passions in a way. So they have like lots of different arts classes. Uh, you can do ceramics, you can learn photography, you can take dance classes. There's just tons of things that they do. And they've been offering a lot of support to the people in that area during the pandemic. So I felt like this was a really good uh, cause to support. So anyway, uh, for anybody who wants to stay up to date with me, they can follow me on Twitter at KimmyGM, or they can follow me on Instagram at KimGoldenBooks, or via my website, Kim-Golden.com. As always, all links to Kim's website, social media, and the pre-order will be in the description below. So do check them out and make sure you give her a follow on all those places. That's it for today. So we hope you enjoyed this episode. Do let us know how many rounds of edits you do for your novel. Put them in the comments or on Twitter using the hashtag The Merry Writer Podcast. If you want to get yourself some extra content, do head over to our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash The Merry Writer Podcast. You can support our show for as little as $1 a month and get yourself some bonus contents, including mini episodes. Tune in next week for another episode of The Merry Writer Podcast where we ask all the right questions. Thanks for listening. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Excessive Caffeine. We drink a lot. The music title inspired is by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons 4.0.